Great. Misty and Bob, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you guys on. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first group podcast, so this will be a fun conversation. I'm glad it's, <laughs> it's the three of us. It will be fun. Bob and I have been um, wanting to do something like this um, for a while. So thank you for the opportunity and the forum to do it. Totally. And and Misty, we could just start with you a little bit on your background. You were um, at DirecTV and now AT&T through the acquisition. It'd be great just to learn a little bit about your background and all the crazy turns that you've had in your career. Sure. I've had a lot of um, different roles within HR. So I've had an opportunity to uh, most to be in the total rewards function for most of my career um, in compensation, benefits, leadership, have also had the opportunity for the last five years to be in an HR business partner role where I uh, get to see really everything kind of coming together from the employee experience. Um, also been in talent acquisition. So had a long, many different hats that I've worn over time and in many different environments, primarily in communications, but I've worked in companies anywhere from uh, two people up to um, 250,000. So <laughs> lots of different experiences and environments. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so my background, I also uh, have my master's um, degree from University of Denver. Um, and my undergraduate was in international relations and business Spanish. So Lots of Super different cool. stuff. Yeah. Do you, have you enjoyed being at a big company more than you've enjoyed like the startup vibe? Like which, which do you enjoy more? They all have their different um, pluses. Uh, you know, in the bigger companies, being able to see an impact and be part of one of the largest companies in the United States. I mean, that's really cool. Um, and being able to influence um, the lives of people in that environment is um, really a gift. Um, you know, at the same time, working in a company with two people, you really get a sense of either you get it done or you don't. <laughs> and there's no other people pulling in that direction. So uh, it's really on your shoulders to be able to execute. Totally, totally. Yeah, that's definitely how we feel at Challenger. Um, and Bob, I mean, you're you're in solar right now. Uh, you're more so on the compensation side. It'd be good to learn more about like all the places that you've been because you've had a really wide, wide breadth of places you've worked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks. I, um, I started off in telecommunications as well, uh, way back when it was us West wireless back in the day. Uh, I, I started my career back there. Um, Missy and I've worked together in a variety of different companies, including uh, direct TV and quest communications, which acquired, uh, us West mm -hmm. back in the day. Uh, so we had a chance to work together back there. Um, and I've also been in uh, level three communications, which is also now part of, um, CenturyLink, which is the conglomerate of all those <laughs> different companies at this yeah. point, right? Um, and then I've, I've been at uh, financial services with Western Union. I've been at uh, DirecTV with uh, Entertainment Space, went through the acquisition into AT&T, uh, and then now here I am in the, the solar industry. And so uh, a variety of different sizes of companies. I think when I, when I joined uh, with, with uh, Sunrun here, um, there was about 3,500 employees and we're at about 10,000 now. Wow. Um, it's grown significantly. Uh, there was a big jump in last year, in the fourth quarter, uh, when we acquired Vivint Solar. So it pretty much doubled the company size. So I've been through a few different acquisitions uh, in a variety of different industries and a variety of different sizes of companies. So it's been interesting. I, I really do enjoy getting the different um, industry aspects of things because e each company has a different spin 
on what makes the company tick, how they get work done. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's been super industry inter- mm-hmm. interesting to be able to go through uh, understanding what what makes each company tick. Yeah. Has your role tr- changed very much from going from 3,500 employees to 10,000 plus? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Um, so with with 3,500 employees, you know, there's, there's different ways to approach compensation structures. And when I first joined, um, we had what's called a, an MRR structure approach or market reference range. Um, and that's, you know, pretty typical is you have a, a smaller base company. And so you go out and you market price each role and, and that kind of de- defines how much you pay for a given role. But as the companies grow in size, that becomes very difficult to manage. Uh, you know, so once you get to, you know, around three, four, 5,000 employees, you start having too many jobs to kind of manage all of that separately. Mm-hmm. And so you end up really having to kind of structure everything so that you can do it a little bit more succinctly. Uh, it's still, you know, just as accurate. It's just that you don't have to have uh, a precise, you know, market data point for each respective job. You have more of a, a structure and then you put the jobs into each, each one of those mm-hmm. structure levels. So it, it, it just, it streamlines the overall process. I think it's a little bit of a shift from a business perspective to understand, you know, why do I have this, you know, this range before I used to say, Hey, you know, I want to start this new new job. What does it pay? And then you just give me, you know, a pay range for it. Why do I have this structure? Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a bit of a, a business mentality shift that has to go along with that, but it, it does create a lot of better consistency for the company, um, reduces exposure for the company and, and uh, allows you to have a little bit more of a formalized approach to positions and cost controls along with that. So you end up in the same place, but you have a better uh, better approach and a better understanding about why you are where you are. Totally. And and this will be an open-ended question for both of you guys, but like, how has the last year been with COVID and managing employees of that? Like, <laughs> this has been, every time I ask this question, the, the answers are always all over the well, place. Well, um, so my current role as an HR... Am I good? Am I back? Yeah. Are we here? So um, in my current role as an HR business partner. We can hear you. Yep. Go ahead, Misty. So in my current role as an HR business partner supporting um, the Gulf States area, which is Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, and the panhandle of Florida during 2020. It's been an interesting year, right? So there's the pandemic, the fact that they had five named storms hit. Um, as well as racial equity um, as a hot topic this year. It's been um, probably the, uh, I've I've done an incredible amount of learning, uh, certainly this year, I think many of us have, Um, as as well as managing, you know, having the kids at home too, (laughs) doing the working mom bit. So, uh, you know, in terms of how that impacted the operation in the retail organization, as you can imagine, we have frontline workers. Mm-hmm. Right, that are literally face to face with customers, and it's no surprise that in the South um, they haven't necessarily been, um, you know, on the forefront of wanting to wear masks and those kinds of things. Right, so um, it's been about protecting our people and doing the best that we can in this environment to help them navigate physically, emotionally, um, going through this pandemic, and then throw literally you know, category three 
um, hurricanes and things like that on top of it, right? We have people um, that were coming to work to serve our customers that they didn't have houses. And we were putting people up in hotels and, you know, managing through, through that process. Um, and then 67% uh, of the area that I support are uh, diverse employees. And when George Floyd hit um, and Brianna, uh, it, it just really, the whole racial equity um, really opened up an opportunity for us to have some different and more intimate conversations um, with our employees than we had had in the past about racial equity. So mm -hmm. it's really been, while a very difficult year, um, very much an amazing year as well. Totally. Yeah. New, new practices for supporting employees during COVID, um, Absolutely. making employees aware that you're, you know, you're aware of how to handle diversity and equity. Um, what have been some of those practices like with, like, I imagine like keeping morale up during COVID was had like its own challenges. Like how, how did you go about that? How did, how were you thinking about that? It was really about, um, bringing the mission, um, to our employees, right? We were there to, communication is so important, especially during all of that, right? Couldn't be any more critical to people being able to adapt and thrive um, either emotionally or, you know, in the situations that they were in. So really connecting people back to that mission um, and giving them a sense of purpose, you know, during this, right? Um, and really, you know, again, doing the best that we could to protect them in these circumstances by making sure they had proper equipment and store cleaning procedures and that we were taking it, you know, very seriously, um, you know, with uh, every time that we have a, a positive case in um, the, the area, we have a, a rundown of, you know, what's going on, is everybody safe, is, you know, do we have any contact, all those kinds of things. So it was really, and, and through that, I think people felt very cared for. Mm -hmm. um, and the leader that I supported in particular, amazing um, at these things normally. And so, in a, you know, when you have those times of crisis, true leaders rise. And he absolutely did. And the whole team did. It was amazing. Um, and his team is very diverse. Uh, so that 67% racial diversity runs at his directors as well. So in these situations, they 100% had um, the true hearts and minds engaged um, with their folks and they did a beautiful job. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. It seems like you guys really handled it super well. I know a lot of companies had a ton of trouble, like, and especially for you in the South with the, the added like ecological like barriers, you know, that's insane. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of a bag of crazy, but and we had to adjust the operating model. So you know, going from people coming in the store and wanting to see and touch phones before they buy them, right? All of that is now <laughs> fraught with problems, and so they really had to innovate very quickly and spin it on a dime and come up with some great customer experiences in a very different way. Um, yeah. So a lot of that was, and a lot of the the best practices were really coming up from the front lines around how to protect people, like having a cleaning captain, and you know, every time the store gets completely wiped down they text everybody okay you know cleaning captain job is done right to make sure everybody knows that it's constantly top of mind to, to care for people 
totally. And at Sunrun, do you guys have a lot of frontline workers or is it mostly, you know, corporate workers who are able just to go, you know, work from home pretty easily? No, we have a lot of frontline workers, probably 60 to 70% of our company is frontline workers, either in sales or, or some sort of operational capacity. So um, we had to do a lot of, um, a lot of dancing as well, uh, keeping the, the employee at the forefront of our minds. Um, you know, we, we've, it's been a, it's been a bit of a crazy year with, um, you know, having COVID hit and really not understanding what is this thing at the beginning. I mean, you know, the guidance was all over the place from the CDC, mm-hmm. you know, and not really understanding. I mean, is this, you know, really going to take out like 10% of our population, like as a nation, you know, are we going to have an economic crisis? Are we going to have, you know, what is this thing going to be? We don't really know. Right. So, um, similar to what AT&T did, we, we tried to react as quickly as we could and, um, you know, a large portion of our company is uh, diverse in terms of location. And so there's, there, there was a lot around that, but we did have to shift the, some of those frontline workers to the extent possible to being uh, virtual as well. And then to the extent that they couldn't be virtual, uh, you know, then, then we did put in place a lot of uh, different programs to make sure that everybody was going to be safe, uh, including our customers, right? So making sure that our not only our employees are safe, but making sure that our, our customers are going to be safe, um, you know, and comfortable with us walking into the house and, you know, with, with putting a, a solar unit on somebody's roof, I mean, you're, you're going to be around them. Um, you know, ideally you're not going into the home as much, right. Unless you've got to do uh, wiring or something like that, uh, you're most likely going to be on a roof, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, we had to put in a whole bunch of protocols and, and similar to, uh, what Misty spoke about, you know, if there was any sort of, um, you know, COVID things that popped up, we shut the branch down. Uh, we just made sure that, you know, that that's going to be the extent of the issue. And we've got contact tracing. We know, you know, where's the source, who was uh, exposed, how do we make sure it's contained so it doesn't be, become a, a broader issue, um, you know, for the community as, as well as for the company, right? But thinking right. about the community, um, you know, first, because if the community's got a problem, then it's going to be impacting the company as well. So just making sure that all parties are, are safe along the way. So, you know, starting off, you know, very quickly with getting masks out uh, as quick as possible, um, trying to understand what are the guidelines? How do we make sure that, um, you know, when people are going to homes, how do we make sure that we can keep them safe? All of those sorts of things was uh, the forefront of our minds um, going into things. I think, you know, Misty talked about how do we create, um, you know, the, the, the driving purpose for employees so that, you know, as they're virtual, that they're, they're still connected to the company. You know, that's one of the things that we also uh, did. I, I think, you know, Sunrun is a very purpose-driven company. We're trying to create a planet run by the sun. So, um, you know, everybody's very passionate about the product and what's happening there. And it's really, uh, you know, the connective tissue that we were trying to drive towards was employee connective tissue. So, you know, as we have virtual teams, we did a lot of, you know, um, happy hours, virtual happy hours, uh, a coffee time, you know, stuff like that to just try and have a bit of the, you know, the connectivity that you, you miss by, um, you know, not being uh, next to each other where, you, where you're used to being, you know, seeing somebody in the hallway. Now you can uh, hopefully have the opportunity to, to connect with them on a, a virtual call. So, you know, trying to do little things like that to continue to drive the connective tissue. Totally. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you have to all of a sudden transpose things that used to happen in the physical space and now do it in this weird fragmented way over Zoom of hanging out like this. But 
the benefit of it too is we get to you know all three of us get to hop on and have a conversation so that's pretty cool too um that's definitely been something i've been thankful for but another open-ended question for for both of you guys is um have there been any kind of changing employee needs in terms of like uh, benefits or perks that you've had to offer specifically you know i'm thinking a lot about financial wellness at challenger has there been anything on that side that employees have demanded or anything like that i think from a I think I would say they probably um, have appreciated more flexibility, right? And I think that's been um, needed certainly this year. And I think what has also been interesting is I think it's there. There's a, a lot of people that believe um, that the most productive place that you can be is in the office, right? And I think this was an opportunity to kind of. Um, try it <laughs> and kind of expose that belief and right. see if that was really true. Um, and so I, I think from a, you know, what people have been demanding or asking for, you know, from their employers, I think that flexibility is probably uh, the biggest piece because, and, and there hasn't been a compelling reason to say no, because we were literally in a pandemic, your kids are at home, you know, you've, right. you've got to figure out how to be more flexible as an employer. Um, and that's that's true. Uh, and so we did, uh, you know, at at and as you can imagine, there's lots of different segments of the population. Right. And so, um, you know, there was more flexibility in many different ways. Um, I would also say that, you know, we did a really strong education program this year around making sure people understand how to use their HSAs and, mm -hmm. and what an FSA and an HSA is and, and those kinds of things. Um, so I think that, again, it exposed things that we probably already needed anyway, um, and will continue to do so. Um, you know, in terms of like a, a specifically financially, I think that it probably, um, you know, we had some safeguards that we put into place for a while there while everything was getting shook up um, in terms of, you know, making sure that people people had similar earnings to what they had in the past, um, especially as, you know, no one's coming to a <laughs> uh, retail location, right? So right. that was really important to help people navigate as well. Hmm. Yeah, similar for Sunrun. I mean, um, you know, from an, a, a compensation perspective, it's really the incentive comp that we were probably most concerned about. You know, the broad-based comp, your base pay is going to show up, you know, uh, as long as you're working, even if it's mm -hmm. virtual, it's not going to be so impacted, right? But from an incentive compensation perspective, we did, um, you know, seek to to balance that out the best we could. Um, you know, it's it's always a, a challenging thing, you know, especially on a performance based plan to figure out what do you want to do there. But uh, we did the best we could with that. Um, you know, providing time off for people who did get uh, COVID, uh, making mm -hmm. sure that you know they have that ability to take that time was also important. I think you know one of the things that we did, uh, and I'm sure AT and T did it as well, but um, you know, I think one of the, the unspoken things is, is actually non-work related, which is my kids are home. How do I deal with my kids being next to me? And, you know, um, one of the things that I thought was uh, really phenomenal, actually, about uh, Sunrun is we had our, our CEO, our CFO, they're on these all hands calls and you see their kids come up and they say hi on the call. I personally thought that was fantastic. I mean, really to, to have you know, the leadership at the very top of the company, not be afraid with their 
their kids coming in or their dogs barking in the background makes me personally as an employee feel okay when my kid wants to give me a hug, you know, it's like, well, I do love it. And, um, you know, so, so making, I think our employees feel okay that yes, we are working from home and yes, your dog's going to bark in the background and yes, your kid's probably going to walk in and, you know, make a surprise visit, uh, I think was really good. We actually sent out a, a, an all company email that basically said, hey, look, you know, for those people who have a family, kids that are, you know, out of, out of daycare, they're in the house, they're out of their schools, they're in the house, right? All those things. So please just be respectful of, you know, family members that need to take care of uh, their children. And so, you know, I've got em- employees that, uh, you know, they've got kids and, and they were doing homeschooling, you know, during the last year. And you just make sure that you provide that flexibility to them so they don't feel bad about it. Um, you know, I think that's, uh, well, that's um, at least within our company and hopefully across the industry or across the nation where, you know, people are just being more uh, flexible and accepting of people that are working from home. And I, I don't think that there's been a drop in productivity. I, I think that if anything, people have been more accessible um, and probably have worked more hours than maybe they should be doing. But, um, you know, hopefully that's been offset a little bit by allowing that flexibility for, for kids to be around and, you know, you could spend a little bit more time with family and, and whatnot. So. Yeah, Bob, I think we all got a lot more human this year, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. In many ways, it's like a new sense of like community of like, you get to mm-hmm. see this person like in their like home and like in the, with like in their family elements. Like it's really, it's kind of a cool thing. Like, and I'm curious, is there anything that's you think has been like a really positive learning from the COVID, you know, last year that will now carry over as like a new practice um, at your guys' companies or is there, or is all those things just going to be left behind because it just was COVID relevant? Well, I, I certainly hope that the flexibility and, and the work from home, and, and recognizing, I mean, I think, you know, from a company perspective and the, the profitability of a company, you know, in, in the real estate that is taken up by companies and the cost that associated all that real estate, my, right. my hope would be that we have a little bit better recognition of how productive people can be from home, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think, you know, maybe doing more like hoteling type models where, you know, you have spaces that you, you know, that you book up. So I need to be in the office you know, let me book up a space so that I can come into the office and, and be there for that that time, but not necessarily requiring, you know, this um, uh, legacy view of you have to be in the office to be productive. I, I just don't believe that that's accurate. And it's over the last year for me personally, I mean, I, I don't feel like uh, anything from a productivity level is, has dropped off. Uh, if anything, it's like I said before, it's accelerated and I've probably put in more hours, um, you know, but I don't have a commute time. So from a family perspective, it's all very well balanced. So my, my hope is that the learning here is that we can all work virtually in a productive manner and still be, you know, good stewards company, but that, you know, perhaps we don't need to be uh, investing so heavily on the real estate side uh, that, mm-hmm. that's going to be impacting profitability of the company. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. And I do think that I do believe that more of a hybrid model probably will be 
acceptable, more acceptable in the future. And I do believe in the connectivity of the water cooler and the, uh, you know, those serendipitous moments where you talk to somebody in the hall and that sparks an idea of creativity. Um, but at the same time, those water cooler conversations also happen virtually, right? And we text and we call and we Zoom and, you know, we've all gotten um, a, a very quick immersion class in um, virtual living. So I, I really do believe a lot of those things will carry over because people did see the benefits, which Bob outlined, but also, you know, being able to have a, a different work-life integration period, um, I think is going to be more important in the future because it, it just gets more difficult to um, you know, stopping trying to do that would be great. <laughs> totally, totally. And I'd love to hear from both of you, what have been some of your career highlights? Like you both have had such interesting reach and have done so many different things in so many different industries. Like it'd be awesome to hear what are some of your highlights? Go for it, Misty. I was gonna say some of our highlights, I, I think we're together. Oh. <laughs> That's so nice. So, uh, you know, for me, I would say that we've had... <laughs> <laughs> I should, I, I, I think I should, so I think for me, like some of my career highlights have been being able to um, marry together um, and be in a space where you connect data and belief, right? And so a lot of that is around, you know, in compensation where Bob and I have worked um, together most often is, you know, really helping companies understand and evaluate the decisions that they make relative to pay. And part of that is we provide the information and we provide the data, and then we help them understand. So given this set of circumstances, um, you know, do you believe, right, that you're going to get a different behavior if we make a different decision, right? If you want to decrease your or sorts of things, right? That's where it really is a combination of making sure that, you know, you give business leaders the opportunity to operate differently. Mm -hmm. um, and so some of that has been in evaluating frontline pay. And for me, those are probably the most, um, some of my career highlights, because I believe that they are really impactful to those people that are receiving those pay increases. Mm -hmm. And they can make a different decision around, um, you know, I'm not just trying to put diapers on the baby, I can actually pay attention to meet my base level um, human needs, right? And right. when you can really positively in those kinds of year, being able to um, be part of a team that is, you know, working in the South during a time of um, racial, I would call it awakening, hopefully, mm -hmm. um, has been extremely impactful as well, mm -hmm. right? And really bringing together people that are, um, you know, different, well, you know, maybe coming from different backgrounds to see a better future and have some very transparent and honest conversations about 
the race, the impact of race in people's lives. I mean, mm-hmm. that's re- been really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, just to hear that as well as, you know, help envision like a different future, you know, possibly for, you know, each individual person that's involved in their heart and mind about it, things, um, but also, you know, helping to see how, you know, it bringing a broader perspective to those people mm-hmm. involved in those conversations changes their communities, right? right? That can hopefully change the nation too. So, right. you know, it really is about, for me, you know, I've had so that kind of that marriage of, of data and belief is where I think some of, I've seen some of the most interesting um, parts of my career. Mm. That's so cool. Yeah. One, one way to look at this past year, um, I guess, enlightenments that I've. Oh, sorry. It looks like, it sounds like I'm, it sounds like I'm lagging a bit. I turned off my video just to hopefully fix the connection a bit, but I was just saying it's, you could see that you could see the last year as a a challenge, but the way that you've seen it, Misty is, you know, as an opportunity, which is super cool. So that's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would say in terms of my career, some of the, the things that have been probably the most uh, impactful is, you know, uh, the recognition of data flow and the importance of that. Misty talked about, you know, highlighting analytics and being able to provide data insights. Um, you know, I, I think that that data analytics side, that the, the front end of data analytics is having data collection and having mm-hmm. the data available. And right. uh, I've spent most of my career probably centered around that side of things, um, you know, with uh, most of my career being involved in incentive compensation, either uh, design, uh, administration, or the combination thereof. And I've, I've learned that, um, you know, just having accessibility to data is just so important. Um, I think mm-hmm. in just about every one of my roles that I've been in, that has been a, a primary issue is, you, you know, many companies have all sorts of data all over the place, but how do you actually pull together to create the insights so that there can be sound decision making within the business. I think you know that has been uh, probably the, the number one thing for me. I know when I when I first started at outcomes um, programs, and since I've been here, um, you know I, I hired somebody in specifically to do technology related to that. Um, you know, and, and so we've been able to consolidate all that stuff. The power that that's created is now I've got centralized data to be able to do reporting and analytics, whereas before, you know, maybe it would take me a week or two just to pull together the information to be able to start the analytics of it, right? So it's really increased the amount of time um, or shortened the amount of time, increased the cycle time in order to be able to generate something so that there can be business insights uh, created from that. So, you know, I think from from my career, uh, that would probably be the number one highlight that that I've had. And I seem to have done that at just about every uh, position that I've been in. So that's, that's been super interesting, but um, you know, other highlights would be just, you know, I've gone through uh, probably three or four uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, I got acquired from us West wireless into us uh, or into quest communications. Uh, I got, I was at uh, Western union. We acquired a company while I was at Western union. I was at direct TV. Uh, we got acquired into date at and I've been at Sunrun, and we just, uh, did an acquisition last year, uh, bringing in another company that was of similar size uh, into the company. So I've been through several different mergers and acquisitions uh, on both sides of that spectrum. 
And I think that's been super enlightening for me just to be able to see what does it mean to be acquired by a company and what are the emotions that go with that as an employee to be able to see what that perspective looks like and be able to you know, help kind of guide the company along with understanding what are those people going through because they maybe haven't gone through that already. Uh, and then similarly, you know, on the reverse side, understanding the emotions and all that goes on from the acquirer side of, uh, of the equation. So it's been really interesting to be on, on both sides to see, um, you know, the difference between the emotions and, and kind of what goes on. I find there's actually a lot of similarities between the two. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty that gets created on both sides of the equation. You know, typically companies, when they're the acquirer, you know, um, they feel they tend to feel a little bit more safe is kind of the, the common theory behind that, right? Well, you're the acquirer, so you should feel pretty safe. The acquirer, you should feel uncomfortable. But the reality is, is that everybody is changing. Everybody is changing. And that creates uncertainty for everybody. And so even as the acquirer, there is a different sort of spin to that same level of anxiety that is created there. And so that's been really interesting to kind of understand that there are there is anxiety on both sides of that equation. And how do you um, help shepherd your employees through that and making sure that they all feel comfortable and make sure that, you know, as things progress, that you've got a little bit of uh, leadership, a little bit of uh, employee base that comes from both sides of the equation. Um, you know, I always like to, to look at things and say, okay, it's, it's not about we're acquiring you. So we'll just take what we need from you. It's usually, you know, what's the best of both worlds. Um, you know, and as you're looking at policies, procedures, mm -hmm. uh, everything across the board, let's, let's try and find the best outcome for the business, because at the end of the day, this business is, is the combined of the two companies. And if we're not successful going forward, then nobody's safe, right? So right. how do we make sure that we create that um, best practice from both sides? And it may come from either side, which may offend the other side. Right. <laughs> you have to be open enough to look at that and go, you know, from, from my particular practices, if we're looking at a policy and I look at their policy or their practice and, and, and theirs is better than what we got, instead of saying, you know, let me be protective of this. We really should be coming at it and saying, well, that's super interesting. Like, how can we, um, you know, how can we make sure that we, we take this best practice and, and develop that further into something even better? Totally, totally. Well, I'm sorry to have to cut you off, but it looks like Zoom is about to boot us off. Um, guys, Misty, Bob, so many interesting pieces. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. It was really great having you on. Thank you appreciate so much for having us. Appreciate it. Appreciate totally. the time today, Brittany.